the Portland is Home team talks real estate. Whether you live here or you're on your way, Audra and Andrew Galler work hard to welcome you home. They make the whole real estate process attainable, educational, and fun. After all, it is the biggest transaction of your life. The Portland is Home team talks real estate. I'm Michelle O'Dell, your host, and now, Audra and Andrew Galler. Hi, Michelle. Michelle, hello. Hello. Hi, Michelle. Hello, and we have Jim Willis. We are so excited to have Jim with us today because we are getting a lot of questions on the mortgage world and what is happening. And instead of Andrew and I going back and forth, we decided let's just bring in the expert, our favorite mortgage lender, Jim Willis from Primary Willis. Residential Mortgage. I'm a branch manager in Vancouver, Washington. I've been... Uh, in the mortgage business for about 22 years now, so kind of gone through the ups and downs, and what we're seeing now is something that we've seen in the past, so um, it's just about everybody getting through it. Mm-hmm. Now, you told me earlier that uh, you, 20, 30 times a day, you have people asking you, what's going on? What are people asking? What do people need to know? How scared are they? Yeah, I think everybody's very scared, um, especially since they're they're sitting there waiting to try to find a home to get into, putting offers in, um, and every day that they're putting offers in, rates are getting worse. And so we also, you know, we do have people that aren't going to qualify for homes that they qualified for before because rates have gone up so much. So I, I think that's very scary for them because they're now looking, you know, fifty to one hundred thousand dollars less in purchase price, which there's really no houses out there at that. There, yeah, there's no houses. There's no inventory. I just saw the numbers tick in uh, yesterday that we went from 0.6 to 0.8 in the Portland metro area, and it it changes as we go out further. But Jim, with that struggle, where there's no houses to buy, we get people approved. How long does a lock last? Just for the listeners. Yeah. Well, in terms of the lock, we don't, you can't really lock a rate until they're into contract. So if we do a pre-approval for them, that really, they're going to have to qualify at a, at a higher rate once it comes around, if that's what the rates are. So typically what we do is when, when I do qualify somebody, I qualify them for 1% higher than what, um, what the rates are that day. So that, and let them know that, you know, here's where we are. Here's, you know, you still qualify at 1% higher. Here's what the rate is today. Here's what it would be 1% higher than that. Here's what the payments look like. You know, and there's a large difference in payment, especially when you get to the the much bigger houses and, you know, especially in Portland, um, Portland and, and a lot of Vancouver right now, you're really not finding anything that's under that, you know, six hundred, $700,000 mark. I mean, everything is jumped up there. So you know, if people are putting 20% down on something like that, that's a large mortgage. And so 1% does quite a bit to, you know, it changes their payment quite, quite a bit. Yeah, it sure does. Tell us a little bit about the jumbo rate. Uh, where are those rates? Because that's where a lot of people are right now. And what are the new numbers uh, that jumbo rates can go up to on loan limits? And what is considered a jumbo rate? <laughs> well, that just sounds scary and expensive. So. <laughs> and, and honestly, Michelle, that's it's funny because it used to be. Anytime you said jumbo loans, everybody kind of cringed because they were so difficult. They asked for so much documentation and they dive so deep into a lot of things. But nowadays, there's just we do it so often. Um, you know, probably you know at least a third of our business is jumbo loans. Which um, what a jumbo loan is is so conventional loans 
will go up to 647,200. Um, that's the, the maximum loan amount. Um, anything over that would be considered a jumbo loan. Used to be jumbo loans were a higher rate than, than your conventional loans. But right now with the rates going up so quickly, we're probably around three quarters of a percent lower on a jumbo loan than we are on a conventional loan, which is different from what it's been in the past. So it, it definitely, for the people that are looking for those, for that price point, it really is good for them right now. You know, in the past, what we had done because rates were higher on jumbo is we would do a first mortgage up to the conventional limit and then do a second mortgage behind it to keep it from, you know, from doing a jumbo loan. But right now with those rates on the home equity lines and things going up so much here in the next year or so, it actually makes more sense just to to do the jumbo loan with the lower lower rate right now. So one thing I just want to jump in and clarify for our sure. everyone in the listening audience is that the jumbo loan thing. So one buys, you know, you find a home, you make an offer and you make an offer at whatever price, right? And if you're buying $800,000 home and putting 20% down, my quick math on that would be that Jim, what's that loan for? 160 minus That's $640,000. 640. So right now, what I heard Jim say is that the, uh, you need to borrow at least 648,200 in order to have a loan that's jumbo, right? 647, yeah. 647,200. What you're buying, the price of the house is not where you would get a jumbo or non-jumbo, it's the loans, the financing. Just to be really clear, I'm sure everybody out there listening knows that, but I just wanted to make it clear. It's always better to make it clear. It takes two seconds to make it clear, so yeah. Yeah, exactly, and that's that $800,000 that you're talking about, that's a very, it's kind of the, with 20%, you're just below jumbo, which is good for a lot of people because you know there are a lot of other things that you have to do on a jumbo loan that some people wouldn't qualify for. Maybe their scores are a little bit lower or things like that. So keeping them under that jumbo limit definitely does help a lot of people. But you know, if you wanted to be higher than that, then you wouldn't be putting 20% down. So now, you know, if you were trying to do a jumbo loan, you're kind of stuck. It's, it's kind of like that. You're kind of right on that fine line. So if you're at like, you know, 820 or for a purchase price or something along those lines, then you probably are going to fit into that jumbo, you know, realm there. Gosh, what I'm hearing you say is that, you'd save money by spending more. You absolutely do. In this case right now, you do. Say that again. You're saving money by buying Here's more. the thing. Because of the... It, okay, well, tell me what, tell me what and you're saying. Jim, correct me where I get wrong, but there's always an opportunity. Like right now, I, I talk to normal people, right? Buyers, just mm-hmm. regular folk, you, me. Some yeah. people are expressing the sentiment, I'm going to wait for the market to crash, then I'm going to buy. It's like, well, listen, everything I read says the market isn't going to crash, but then I would agree with the next statement out of my mouth, which is right now it's March 10th and we're in a very mm-hmm. ridiculously volatile world. So who knows what's going to happen <laughs> next week? You know, these are crazy times. So depending on what happens in our near future, in which will everything affects everything, interest rates will go up or down. Buyers will stop buying or continue buying at the same pace, right? Who knows the future? But if the market crashes, if, if home prices decrease, but interest rates go up, yay, you bought a cheaper home, but the money cost more. Therefore, your payment is higher. So you may have gotten it for 
twenty or a hundred thousand less. But if the money costs more, your payment might be higher, so high that you couldn't afford it anyways. What this run out to its logical conclusion on some of these scenarios, there's opportunities to lose for winning. And by that I mean the win would be the short the decrease in the price. And the losing would be that the money gets so much more expensive. Historically, uh, these are some of the lowest interest rates since time began, uh, especially a year ago. But even now, I think I've said it on this show before, Audrey and I bought our first place in 2002 at seven and a quarter percent. We were pinching ourselves. Couldn't believe what a great interest rate that was at that time. Now that's insanely high. And oh my gosh. So Jim, am I getting that right? Absolutely. I think you're yeah. exactly right. There's a lot of tools out there where you can do kind of a break even in terms of purchase. If the purchase price or, you know, if the, the values went down by so much, but the mortgage went up by so much, at what point is kind of break even as to how, you know, what you're going to pay back. There's plenty of tools out there that can, that can show you that. But right now it's everything that I'm seeing. The problem is that the houses are still appreciating because there's no inventory. You know, there's just nothing out there. And pretty much everything that we've we've seen here in the last, oh, three to four months, there's, you know, between five and 40 offers on mm-hmm. every home. Yep. And, you know, they're going well above the asking prices or even the prices that, you know, because we we're, we are getting some low appraisals because they're they're really testing the market in, towards the top to see how high they can go. And at that point, we were starting to see some low appraisals. So people are having to come in with the difference, you know, in cash plus their down payment. So the hard part for people is that, or maybe first time home buyers or people that don't have a lot of money is they don't have the ability to have that extra money on top of their down payment to do it. So they're kind of getting pushed out of the market a little bit. Yeah. Right. One thing that I wonder if it would help our listeners mm-hmm. is we're seeing a lot of buyers waiving appraisals or doing what's called an appraisal gap. And one thing where it gets kind of confusing is the loan to value ratio. And so a lot of times what we'll write in there is there's a, I call it small, medium, large for what to do on some of these terms and conditions. So for instance, like the least aggressive or the small version of it would be, uh, what we call an appraisal gap and a buyer agrees to bring in some money to bridge an appraisal gap because once you start going above the list priced a lot, the concern from the seller's point of view is, well, if it doesn't appraise for that, I don't get that money, do I? Because the contract states whole deals contingent on the home appraising, not less than the purchase price. So if you're buying, let's just say a $100,000 house, I'm going to use easy numbers for my small little brain. And uh, if, if you have to put 20% down, right, you're financing 80% of it, right, then the borrower's bringing 20000 So the loan-to-value ratio is what, or 80%. So if you write a $110,000 offer on that $100,000 house, then to bring in 20%, what would that be? You're offering yeah. $110,000. Oh, so 10000 above. Then 20% of that would bring in, you'd have to borrow to bring in... You'd bring in the twenty thousand plus an extra ten thousand. There you go. So, um, and that's what people don't understand a lot of times is they think that it's going to be whatever the you know if their purchase price is rather than what their appraisal is. It's the lower of the two is what they use um, when they're calculating your loan to value. 
So like you're saying, that's, that's kind of the difficult part, especially when you're doing, you know, the 22 ADs for say $50,000. And let's just say the appraisal came in $50,000 low on a $600,000 house. I mean, that's a lot of money. The one thing you can do a lot of times is instead of putting 20% down, you can put say 10% down or less. So and then you have mortgage insurance. You still have to bring that $50,000 in, but you're not bringing that full 20% for the down payment. So we can look at different numbers to see if that makes sense for them. Because there's people that only have limited amount of money that they're going to be able to, you know, to do. So in this case, they would just have, they would have mortgage insurance most likely because they're going to be below 20% um, down payment. But the rates actually are typically are a little bit lower when you have mortgage insurance, when you go to that 5, 10, 15% down. They, they give you a little bit of a break because you are pay, paying mortgage insurance, so the rate is typically a little bit lower. But you just have to remember that you're going to have mortgage insurance until you're able to get that taken off, and there's some, some ways you can do that and some different timelines. You were speaking of tools earlier, uh, like calculating tools. I think that we just do the same as anybody else, just a Google program. I mean, we okay. do have one that has some break-even stuff, but it's, it's, an, it's called MBS Highway, but it's a one that you have to subscribe to and it's okay. it's for mortgage lenders which is pretty easy if, if somebody asks me the question i can put the numbers in there and then okay. send them the worksheet that shows you know kind of what that looks like perfect so they just have to give you a call and give yeah. while we're here give the name of your company again and your phone number sure it's primary residential mortgage and my phone number is 360-608-8872 Jim, I was going to ask you, where are you seeing, like, what are what are average rates today, conventional and jumbo, and then what are we seeing in the foreseeable future? My understanding is they dropped a little bit uh, about a month ago. They were on the rise, and they sort of leveled out or, mm -hmm. or even dropped slightly. Yeah. Where are we yeah. now? What are you seeing? What are you hearing in the market? A lot of people do come to us and say, I'm going to wait. The market's going to crash. What I'm seeing is we're not seeing anything in the foreseeable future on that happening. We're seeing a steady increase, and I'm seeing anywhere up to five years of this steady increase. And um, I'd like to hear, what are you seeing? That's a great question, and, and it's something that I actually sent an email off to our secondary department today, basically the guy that sets our rates, to take his idea as well, because... Yes, you're right. They did. They went through a small dip for a couple of days. But after that couple of days, we actually had one of the worst days that I've ever seen in regards to rates going up. You know, it was 114 basis points on the for the mortgage backed securities. And that's how. So right now, the way that they are determining rates or at least looking at them is the mortgage backed securities and also the 10 year uh, yield. Okay. And both of those are kind of going in the wrong direction right now, which means that, you know, that your interest rates are going up for sure. And I don't know. I think that it's, it's a very tough question right now as to what they're going to do, because, you know, we have inflation, we have a, a lot of other things that they're looking at, but how much of it has to do with Ukraine? We don't know how much of that is part of it. And what we also don't know what's going to happen with that whole scenario. So, you know, I think one way or the other, you know, rates could get really, really good if, you know, depending on what happens or vice versa. I mean, they continue to get bad every day and we've had that today as well. But today we had a lot to do with inflation. You know, they're looking at, at inflation numbers and 
um, you know, we were always talking about three or four percent, and they said that in the last year inflation was up seven point nine percent because that's consumer goods and things like that, not not gas and not food, but other services are up. You know, I mean, we see it everywhere you go. You know, things are a lot more expensive. And they also said that, you know, rents are up around 5% over the last 12 months. It's everything that kind of deals with the inflation part of it. But I, I guess it, it comes down to is by, you know, raising your long-term rates for mortgages, is that really going to help with the inflation? You know, I get it, what they're doing with your short-term rates, which are, you know, the prime rate and things like that, where they're, they're raising those on, they said a couple of times by July. And they're going to continue to do that for the unforeseeable future. So, so you think um, I really don't know. Yeah. So they're going to keep going up because you're you're right. I'm seeing this thing. You know, I'm seeing rates, gas is up, food is up, all of these things that you know are indicators of inflation, but also the war or the conflict. So housing prices are going up. We're still at Mm -hmm. unbelievably low inventory rates. And then, so the last piece of that for people when, when they're buying a home is what interest rate am I locking in at? What am I getting? What am I mm-hmm. able to get in order to be able to afford these homes? And, and that's just, kind of a tricky Just for question. the listeners, real quick, I want to let everyone know this is going to be published tomorrow. So this they'll be listening to this March 11th <laughs> and on. So that's how quickly things are moving. So back to what you were saying, Jim, is when and, this and is going to be. And that's the question we get a lot is what are the mm-hmm. interest rates? Well, there's no... There's no one interest rate. I mean, every situation is a little bit different. It's credit score. It's your loan amount size. It's how much money you're putting down. There's just so many different factors that there is no like one interest rate. I mean, I can tell people if you have a 740 credit score, um, you're buying a $600,000 house and putting 20% down, here's where you would Mm -hmm. fit in. You know, and right now, I think when I looked at it today, it's probably closer to like four and a half percent. See, it's already um, that today. much higher than I was even thinking. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they were four and a quarter in the last mm-hmm. few days. And they've gone up that much just over the last couple of days. The jumbo rates are still hanging in the, you know, the mid to, to high threes. Anywhere, you know, depending on their situation, anywhere from about 365 up to, you know, 375, 3875. But you don't think it's going to get up to seven again, do you? I have you mean no just idea. You I, have I, no idea. Okay. You're no, not a, I do yeah, not. not I mean, I hate to say yes or no and then just be, you know, I, I think I've, I probably have the same amount of knowledge as a lot of people do in regards to what it's going to be. But I don't think we even know until, especially until this conflict's mm-hmm. over. Yes. I mean, that's okay. a, that's a huge thing. I mean, depending on what, what happens. On a side note, I saw somebody post, they filled up their gas tank. I Now, I don't know what kind of car they have. I don't know how the size of their tank. $133 to fill their tank. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> All of this plays into it. You know, when people are, when we have families come in and they have a set amount, because it's not, like we've said before, it's not the price of the house that we're necessary. Like that's our guideline, but it's what can you afford on a monthly basis for your payment? That's what people Absolutely. care about. They they need to know this is my budget for housing. This is how much I make a year. This is how much I can afford. So whether that means you buy a six hundred thousand dollar house or a six fifty, like we're we're looking at the monthly outlay. And so when your gas prices go up and your food goes up and and everything else goes up, that affects all of it. 
And so it is really interesting. And I, I am, I, uh, you know, like everybody else who is in looking at buying houses, because that's, you know, our world, how, what is going to happen? How is, how are we going to adjust the economy here to make sure that people can still, you know, buy a home and, um, and, and be comfortable buying a home? Because the, Jim mentioned, you could see five offers to gosh, you know, 50 offers on a home because there's, well, the numbers change. But like I said, yesterday, I saw the numbers come out that we're at point eight. So we're not even at a month of inventory. We're still less than a month of inventory on the market. Hopefully we'll see some change with that as spring comes in and more people want to list their homes. It's spring is heavy list time. So hopefully that happens. And I know we have a bunch of listings that are about ready to hit the market, but it does concern. It, it concerns everyone. A lot of people are now going up against other cash offers because they're, you know, they're cashing out from markets that are more expensive, moving into markets that are more affordable, that they can buy a home, not have a mortgage on. One thing I think that we are in just such unprecedented, relatively speaking times, because it is almost exactly 104 weeks ago that we began the lockdown. Mm. You know, and I remember really clearly, uh, a little scarily, thinking at that time, like, wow, this is it. You know, zombies Mm -hmm. coming. (laughs) You know, we're going to, that fourth horseman coming down the field. (laughs) This is, you know, we're end of times, people. And, um, you know, that was the week I went and bought all the rice and beans I could find and you yeah. know, got two bottles of sriracha <laughs> to muscle through. And um, luckily, I only needed them for a few weeks. But I mean, that was that was crazy. And, and, and it's and it's a little um, hair just to think back on it. I'm grateful. Much of it I've already forgotten. <laughs> I yeah. dumped a few hard drives exactly. in my brain. But I think that when Jim was talking, I was thinking about historical precedents. We'll see if there are any because last major conflict in the world, the world was so different. We were not interconnected. Everything, you know, the uh, butterfly wings half a world away did not create a tsunami. And now it's a little bit more. We're hearing in real time what's happening half a world away. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that the markets were as sensitive as they are. I don't know if they are sensitive, but what I am uh, wondering is, boy, I did not see what happened in the pandemic, how the pandemic time played out, I never would have guessed. I never would have guessed half the world had to move (laughs) beginning in April, 2020. Mm -hmm. And that changed the market so dramatically. Frankly, I was thinking, this is it. We're just going to, you know, let's cancel every subscription. (laughs) We're not going to make any money this year. We're going to be broke. And um, so anyone got any predictions on the next three, six, nine, 12 months? I, I think that the buyers are there. That's not an issue. Um, it's it's strictly inventory. And if we can get some of these, and a lot of the builders I work with say it's just a lot of a supply chain. They're just behind on a lot of their houses that were supposed to come out here in the last three months or so. They're so far behind because they can't get the materials to finish them. One of my friends that's actually just finished his house, he was super excited because they finally are going to get their fridge on yeah. Friday. It's been like you know four yes. or five months just to get a, a fridge, you know? And so a lot of these builders, I think once they're able to start getting some of these supplies, there's going to be a lot more inventory um, with new construction as long, okay. because there's a lot of it going on. 
it's just a matter of getting that to, to come out. Um, you know, in the past, you know, when we had issues with, um, when the, the market crashed or whatever people wanted to say, there just wasn't anybody buying houses. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was houses mm-hmm. there, but there was just nobody buying them. Or if they were, they were buying them with loans that are not sustainable that everybody knew would at some point would go bad. And we're not doing that now. The majority of companies or people that are doing the mortgages are not using your, you know, the stated income loans or anything like that. I mean, everything is very well documented. The one thing you can't can't predict though is people losing their jobs. Yeah. I mean, if people lose their jobs and they can't pay their mortgage, then you know that's going to affect things a lot as well. Like we were talking about before about, you know, the prices going up so much and everything. I think what it really does is it really eliminates your lower to middle class mm-hmm. from buying a home mm-hmm. because there is nothing at that $400,000 mm-hmm. mark unless they go to a condo or a town home or something along those lines. So it really, it really limits the amount of people that can actually buy those homes and kind of pushes people away. You know, you were talking about how much you can afford in terms of, you know, with all everything that you, all your daily bills and groceries and things along those lines. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times on, you know, when we're doing a pre-approval for somebody, they qualify for a lot more than what they feel that they could pay. And so that's, that's kind of what I do probably different than a lot of people, you know, and I do get people going, well, what's our, the max we can qualify for? Well, what's the maximum payment you want? You know, mm-hmm. that's, and then we kind of work backwards from there so that we can tell them, okay, well, if you don't want to go over $2,500 a month with taxes, insurance, and everything, you're not going to be able to go to that 750 or, you know, whatever it might be. You're going to have to stay at this amount to keep it there. If you feel you want to go higher than that and you're comfortable doing it, then you can go up a little bit higher. And here's what it would look like. I usually start with the how much you feel you can afford rather than, what you can afford on paper. Because uh-huh. that's a whole lot different. It really is. Once you have maintenance that you should be adding in, that you should be saving every month for the next thing. And Okay, here's my question for the next three months or so. With mask mandates maybe lifting, and we're, like I said, this is going to be publishing March 11th, 2022. They're talking about lifting them. Do you think maybe more people will go ahead and say, yeah, I'm putting my house on the market now. I don't care that people are coming in and out, you know, looking at it. Do you think that might help or is it still not going to be? A, well, we don't know the future, but do you think that might happen, especially with spring coming up and people usually put their houses on the market in the spring? Any thoughts on that? You know, I'll tell you my thought on that is my analogy is uh i'm going to use an analogy to answer that question please you know if we go in the wayback machine to 2007 8 9 10 11 12 uh this is my joke um it's not really funny but i I think it's true you know lehman brothers crashed and then about 20 minutes later every buyer walking the earth woke up and was like you know what i was gonna buy a house but i'm not now and i don't know who got together how that happened, but all of a sudden, I remember the 80s when we all decided to wear parachute pants at the same time, (laughs) you know? (laughs) And then we all stopped. Uh, Some of you may not remember those times. Ah, It was a simpler time. But, (laughs) I mean, man, there was like a a week in like 2007 or 8, and everybody was just like, that's it, everyone. Let's all stop buying houses. No one, let's all stop now. And 
I remember very clearly we all sitting there. Okay, this is going to turn around. The fall, it's going to, you know, it's okay. It's going to be winter, and that's be spring again. Everything's going to get back to regular normal. And then it didn't, and it didn't, and then it kept not. So okay, why? Who cares? Why do I bring that up? Ancient news, right? But but I think that you know about 104 weeks ago. Everybody who was going to, who was planning on, who was preparing for, who had plans to sell their home and do whatever their next step was, buying the same market, move across the country, whatever, didn't. A critical mass of people did not. And those people, arguably, still haven't. Or demand has become disproportionately high to eclipse that activity anyways. But Let's go with the first argument first. You know, I think that there's a lot of deferred activity. I think that it stands to reason that there's a critical mass of people. I'm going to call them sellers who are about to put their house on the market two years ago and the next, you know, bunch of quarters who were literally scared to death. I think that was a portion of them. We didn't know if we were catching this thing in the grocery store. I mean, I remember wanting to cut my hands off so I wouldn't touch my face. I didn't know I touched my face that much. Turns out I did. Um, <laughs> also washing so, your groceries when they came in. Oh, right. oh my God. Uh, Wiping yeah. everything down. Oh I remember my getting gosh, a pizza yeah. delivered and like we like aerosolized the thing, <laughs> the box, <laughs> before allowing it in the house and then washing my hands after I did it. My hands were like... Not that I need any, like, I'm like, is there more moisturizer I can get? Cause I need more. <laughs> so, so um, I don't think I've recovered to the day, but Mm-mm. so all that. And, and, and then there was a portion of the population too, who I think, you know, lost their income. If you were in the service industry, mm-hmm. if you know, somebody was in uh, what are all the fields that, and it wasn't a few people, it's quite a bit. They didn't have the income to qualify for a loan to, buy the house they want, you know, sell to, so they were precluded from entering the market. So Michelle, I think to answer your question is, I think that the mask mandate is certainly, and by the way, we're in Oregon. I think other states have already lifted it. Is that right? I, yes, mm-hmm. I believe so. I right. Think so so yeah. okay. Oregon. And we're then about there's the last, a, Oregon and Washington are about the last one. Right. And okay. So maybe is my answer, but I think the more macro level answer is there has got to be an inflection point where everybody who was about to but didn't two two years ago until today will and will either crush, flood the market, give all of our buyers a break, hurt our future, you know, make it more harder for our future sellers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I, I think my answer really is, is <laughs> you know, we'll see. Time will tell. Uh, so what I'm hearing is that the 30-year-old person, the young couple – they don't have 20% down. They, you know, they're hoping to do the, what, the FHA type loan or something. They're not going to get anything, right? I mean, th- the chances are because of all these cash offers and all the, all these extra. Hey, 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 whoa, whoa, yeah. easy tiger. You know, I, I, I don't think that's correct. Okay, um, good. That's what I'm asking. Tell because, me I'm wrong, please. And, and I think what we're seeing, I think a lot of people are panicking just because, you know, and I think it happens every year. January and February are always not good. They're not good months. They're typically not great for for sellers, you know, for buyers selling. I mean, our business is typically the slowest in January and February. Well, now March has come around. The sun's starting to come out. 
And all of a sudden, we're getting these contracts, you know, two, three, four, five a day in. And a lot of these people are 5% down conventional, um, you know, even some 3% down conventional stuff. They do, I, I think sometimes sellers don't want to look in an FHA loan or a VA loan because they feel that over all the years they've they've heard really bad things about, you know, the appraisals, this and that. But honestly, there's really not that much difference between an FHA and VA appraisal and conventional. The only real difference is that they they look, they do like a head and shoulders underneath the house and in the attic. Whereas with conventional, typically they don't do that. So, okay. um, you know, they're going to call out whether it's conventional or not, they're going to call out a lot of things. The The one thing is the FHA doesn't allow for you to close without some things being done. Conventional, they're a little bit more lenient um, in regards to what they'll allow, you know, in terms of maybe deferred maintenance and things like that. Okay. There are some health and safety issues. You're, you're going to have it with either one. It doesn't really matter. Okay. But, you know, a lot of the ones that we have gotten in the last, you know, week or two are that 5 to 10% down. Okay. So I, I think that there are definitely less people going to a lot of these or there's more stuff coming on the market um, here just lately because there there certainly weren't as many offers on these as there were on the other ones. Okay. So, and, and, so Audra, if, uh, let's see, I'm Jane Q. Public. I'm calling you and Andrew today. Hi, I saw you. I listened to your podcast and, and, I, and I, you, I think I want to use you guys for my real estate agent. Whoa. <laughs> What do you, and I'm a young I am I'm young and I don't have a lot. What what would you tell I me? I love right this now? character. This is like I want I the backstory on who this person is. Who are you? I don't I don't come from money. I've worked very hard my whole life. That's basically like what what about the people that have struggled okay. to even save the three percent, you know, on a five hundred, six hundred thousand dollar. What would I, you tell me? So one of the things that you know, Andrew and I both get behind is that our job is to help realize those homeowner dreams, really, no matter who it is, mm -hmm. you know, because honestly, even the $1.5 million range is not easy to get into. There are still bidding wars. I mean, it is not, it's not just one group that is seeing this. It's across mm -hmm. the board. And we get a lot of people that come to us that have challenging loan situations, right? We're not, not everybody is, you know, I'm perfect on paper and you know, this and that. Everybody has something and that does never, has never once deterred us. Whether our goal in our brokerage is to help everyone, no matter what your circumstances are. That's why we work with folks like Jim, who are amazing that we can bring a USDA loan to him and say, we've got this buyer, which we do have a USDA buyer. <laughs> and we're going to, you know, get this person into a home. We're going to do it. It's the, it's just a matter of sometimes we're on time crunches and we have to get alternate housing in the meantime. We have buyers who don't have social security numbers. None of that deters us. Whatever it is, we will help you get into a home of some sort. Well, and okay. to to quote Tim Allen on Galaxy Quest, never give up, never surrender. There's very few things I subscribe to in life uh, on an absolute level, with the exception of this one, which is if we ask for nothing, that's all we're getting. Am I right? Yeah. You yeah. know. So we've seen things that we never thought or that I had reservations about working out, working out. 
it's not easy right now. And when I, you know, everybody out there, call me today, text, email, mm-hmm. whatever's easier for you. We could do a buyer consultation. During the consultation, I had one yesterday. I told my buyers, I said, look, I will tell you about me. I'm a bit of a chicken little. This guy is fine. Yeah, yeah. Well, and even in the best of times, because like my mama told me growing up, just because you're paranoid doesn't mean they're not after you, right? So so when you get a day, you get home at the end of the day, you know, it's a good day. You got home. Exactly. But the point of that is, is I tell my clients, I'm going to set you up for the worst case and we're going to get through it and it's going to work out. So sorry for the contradiction, but I'm also not going to tell them this is going to be a walk in the park and first house you see, we're going to get it. And, but on the other hand, we're going to explore the market and we're going to get through this. We're going to find you a home. I think that's it. And I think that's the straight answer. And by the way, I agree. You know, in my consultation I had yesterday, I also walked through this market with my buyers and I already bored you all with my recollection of 2008, 9, 10, 11, 12, and I'm going to do it again real quick. But one of my main things about this market is that this is the exact same market we're in today as we were back then, only completely different. And what I mean is back then, if you had a house to sell, I couldn't sell it. We had, uh, there were some parts of the market that had 72 months of inventory. I remember being on a call with a seller and there were tears And they were asking me, what should we do? And I didn't have a great answer. I said, we could reduce your price by $100,000. But looking at the market data, I'm not promising you I have a buyer for you tomorrow because there's so few of them. And from the buyer's lens, I believe a lot of buyers out there are saying to themselves, I wish we were in that market. But let me share with you our experience of buyer's experiences back then. In a market that was depreciating, right, which means tomorrow it's going to be worth less than today, buyers were asking themselves, why would I buy? And now, of course, they'd be geniuses. But at the time, they were wondering if they were silly to do it because it's going to be worth less tomorrow than today. That's a really hard thing to get behind. And by the way, because there were so many homes to look at, I felt, buyers felt, They needed to literally look at them all. And this house better check all my boxes. If I'm spending this much on a home, that's going to be worthless tomorrow, so on and so forth. It wasn't easy on buyers, even though they had the pick of the litter. So it was hard then and it's hard now. So what would one wait for? Because the gamble, there's a gamble either way. If you wait, you gamble rates going up and homes continue to appreciate. If you buy now, you gamble I don't believe we're in a bubble, but I know that that is for reasons that make a lot of sense to me. Part of quotation mark fingers, the conversation we're all having, and I don't know what the future holds. So what's the longest you've been working with someone right now, Andrew and Audra, what mm. like the, the, you showed them X amount of houses and how many months has, it's has there years. been? It's what's actually the, years. I'm oh, there has been a couple people that. Okay, gosh. <laughs> so, wow. Yeah, really. Well, it takes what it Is takes. it because of all the it's, different... It's just... Yeah, it Everybody's takes different. Takes. Okay. Yeah. And okay. everybody's got different right. scenarios. And sometimes there are reasons that make a lot of sense. Uh, or it always mm-hmm. makes sense. Uh, it's a... 
not to get too woo woo, but it, it is a journey and it's a process. Mm-hmm. Okay. Jim, is there anything else you, what do you tell the, hi, I'm, I'm young and I don't know much. Help yeah. me get some money, please. What would you tell me? <laughs> and, you know, we get those a lot. I mean, there are going to be people that don't qualify right now. There just there just is. Um, but the best thing you can do is just to kind of coach them as to how much they're going to need to save up, you know, what bills they may need to pay off beforehand, um, just different things along those lines. It's just it's a lot of coaching. And, you know, like you were asking about how long we've worked with clients. I mean, we've been working with a, f- a few clients for like two or three years on just credit repair stuff. And they're finally getting to that point where they can actually, you know, it's taken that long for it to basically come off their record and, and, and things to show up, you know, correctly and them actually be able to buy. So now they're starting to look. I know that they're a little frustrated because, you know, with rates going up and houses going up that they think that they may have missed the, you know, missed the bubble. But, you know, all you can do is just really help them. Mm-hmm. And and just keep working with them. You They'll know. find something. Yeah. Well, in our buyer consultations, that, yeah, we often talk to people who will say things like, "Well, I'm not ready. I'm going to talk to my mortgage broker when I see a home or when I'm closer to it." And we often advise them talk to a mortgage broker now. See if there's anything you can do to raise your credit score between now and go time. You know, if you've got a year, absolutely. I tell my buyers, nothing's better. Take your time, yeah. but look at under the hood. Cancel that Nordstrom card you took out a few years ago that you forgot about to save 20%, remember? <laughs> Jim, I didn't mean to interrupt you. And that's that's one thing that we, so we do have a lot of tools at our disposal that will look at their credit and it'll tell us if they pay the sound by $57, it goes up this amount. I mean, it's very specific and it's usually very, it's, it's, it's usually right. Um, and the one thing that I do tell people different than what Andrew does is don't, don't close a card because a lot of times what that does, it gives you more revolving, um, availability. And so it helps you, um, yes, pay it off. That's fine. But, but don't, don't close, close it. it. Don't close okay. it. Just let because, it have a zero balance. Yeah. Cause a lot of times okay. what happens is people close all of them and they have, now they have a credit card that's got a $500 balance or a thousand dollar balance and they, you know, use it every month and it's got five or $600 on it. Well, that's half of their utilization of all revolving that they have available to them. But if they would have had that $20,000 credit card that um, had no balance that goes, you know, that's looked at when you look at total utilization of revolving credit, you know, I'm not the. I do quite a bit of it, but it's not like I know everything about credit repair, but these tools that we have certainly tell us exactly. It'll tell us if we, they need to open another card, if they need to be removed as an authorized user, a lot of things like that. It'll tell us exactly how much it'll go up. And then once they do these things, what we can do is we re, we repull credit once those things are all done. Mm-hmm. So then we can, it's, it's called a rescore. And so we don't have to wait for it to go through the cycles. It's because, you know, if somebody pays a credit card down by, say, you know, $500, typically it's not going to show up for 30 days until their statements comes out what their new balance is. But what we can do is we can actually send in something that shows what their balance is, and they will do a rescore within 24 to 48 hours. So we don't have to wait that long. Cool. Uh, whether wait, you know, you don't want to wait 30, 45 days to, to see what a new score might look like. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if you're trying to qualify them using, you know, a lower rate or something along those lines. Honestly, okay. I think that I'm hopeful that we'll see 
more houses come on the market this spring that we're going to see an uptick that the builders supplies will arrive and the new construction will be able to wrap up so people will have that option in their as a viable home to buy and i'm hoping i'm i'm really hopeful that we're going to be able to get some of these buyers into in, into homes and you know the sun is out so let's uh yeah let's do this that helps it definitely yeah. helps. Now, next episode, do we want to have Jim on again? Just to yeah, so get I, on again, if whatever? Jim is up for it, one of the things, like we didn't get into some of the programs that people are being bombarded with, sure. like reverse mortgages, oh, yes. recasting loans. You know, we, I, I okay. talk to people about that a lot. Yeah, just the smaller nuances of things that we didn't mm-hmm. get to. Mm-hmm. Not okay, the main, yes. the main we'll point, a- just more of the, the smaller mm-hmm. stuff. You know, hopefully by then I'll have a better idea on the market outlook and things like that. Just a quick outlook on that and just to let people know, you know, where things might be going or they're going to be getting worse for some time. You're probably going to want to get off the fence. Exactly. Okay. That will be great. So next time we'll do a a part two with Jim Willis. And we should also talk a little bit with Jim about second homes. Yes, for sure. Jim, we're going to use a lot of you now, I feel. Like. That's great because you do you do have the answers. <laughs> they know, Andrew and Audrey know so much, but this is all you do. All right. Thank, Thank you, Michelle. You, Michelle. <laughs> all right. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Portland is Home Team Talking Real Estate Podcast. For more info about Audra and Andrew, finding your next home, or selling your current home, visit their RealtyWorks website at realtyworksgroup.com. If you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. For help with your podcast, find us at Modcast Productions or modcastproductions.com. Modcast Productions.